At least for now, it appears San Diego has flattened the curve. Over the past few weeks, the region's hospitals have been increasing capacity and canceling elective surgeries in order to prepare for a surge of cases. While there are more than 400 San Diegans that have been or are hospitalized, the region's hospital capacity has been able to handle the outbreak of COVID-19. Today is Monday, April 13th. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your Coronavirus Update, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Paul Sisson, you cover health for the Union Tribune, and you've been leading our coverage of the coronavirus pandemic. And over the weekend, you wrote a story about how hospitals aren't seeing the surge of patients that was really worrying everyone. From like a 10,000 feet view, what are the main reasons why things aren't as bad as they could be? Social distancing, I think. I think it's, uh, I think everybody would say that it's everybody, uh, you know, significantly reducing the amount of interpersonal contact that's going on out there in the community. I mean, we all know it hasn't been perfect. We've all seen in our own neighborhoods uh, situations where sometimes parties are still happening. Uh, at my house, uh, I, I saw over the weekend, uh, you know, a bunch of folks out playing football in the street. But uh, I'd say uh, on average, there's just a massive reduction in contact. And when people aren't uh, having contact, then uh, you're not transferring the virus from person to person. Mm-hmm. And uh, this goes without saying that there aren't people currently in hospitals right now. Why don't you give us a lay of the land? How are things going at a region's hospitals? You know, uh, I mean, I haven't been in all of them. Uh, I went in three of them on Friday, uh, Palomar Medical Center up in Escondido, uh, Sharp Memorial in uh, in Kearney Mesa, and then down to uh, Sharp Chula Vista. And, um, you know, they were varying levels of fullness. They had varying levels of uh, uh, coronavirus patients, um, but none of them appeared to be even close to being overwhelmed, uh, like we're seeing in New York. Um, they seem like they had a level of patients that they could handle. I'd say that the uh, the COVID traffic was heaviest uh, down uh, in Chula Vista and South Bay, uh, where it seemed like they had a pretty robust number of people coming into their uh, their emergency unit where they, uh, they put folks who are suspected of having, uh, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So this news just come amid some changes that are happening on the national and state level. For instance, the estimated projected death toll has been revised lower, and it appears that California moved earlier than other states and may have prevented an even worse outbreak. So at this stage, are hospitals still ready to handle a surge if it were to happen, even though models don't really project it happening like immediately? I think, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, I, could they, could they handle an influx, a sudden influx in a week of 7,000 patients? Uh, no, I think they'd be overwhelmed by that. If we had thousands of patients coming in very suddenly, I think we would see what we have here in New York um, but it just seems like with every passing day that that scenario is less and less likely. Uh, certainly the modeling that, that came out last week indicates that uh, California, as long as it uh, is smart about how it continues to handle uh, social distancing uh, orders, uh, is just probably not going to see a surge of that size. Now, could we still end up seeing uh, hundreds of patients coming in, maybe down in South Bay where things seem to be a little more robust? I, 
my my gut feeling, you know, not being an epidemiologist and and not being a you know a total expert on this, but my gut feeling is, yeah, we could still see we could see a hospital or two fill up in this county, um, and I think there would be a mutual aid situation in that case where uh, other hospitals uh, across uh, San Diego County would step in to help out, and you know they might they might end up accepting uh, patients from other parts of the county if necessary. Uh, this county has a pretty well-coordinated emergency uh, medical system uh, under the direction of Dr. Christy Koenig. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's an absolute ninja at this stuff. I've, uh, I've seen her work over the years and, uh, you know, she, uh, she has experience with the uh, Ebola epidemic and uh, it seems like, um, you know, their coordination, they're, they're keeping a pretty close eye on exactly uh, how this thing is unfolding. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you got to it into your story a little bit, but what are some of the steps that hospitals have been taking in order to get ready for, you know, it, it's not really a surge per se, but the amount of uh, coronavirus patients in hospitals, because you can't just act like everything's normal, right? Right. No, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing that really struck me um, at all of these hospitals, especially it's at uh, Sharp Memorial in Kearney Mesa, was the level to which these these healthcare teams are forced to work together. Uh, you know, they have a whole protocol where when, when somebody who has a viral symptom comes in the front door uh, before they even let them in, if, if they've got a cough or a fever or any, any, any of the remotest signs of any kind of viral infection, they split them off and send them to a special entry point and immediately put a mask on them so that that reduces the chances immediately that anything is going to um, spray out and, and infect healthcare workers nearby. Now, of course, that's not perfect, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know that's, that's kind of the first step that literally every hospital in this county has been taking is, you know, split the flow right at the front door. Don't let anybody in your emergency room until you figure out which ones have any kind of viral symptoms and which ones don't. Uh, and so, you know, you see that all over the county. You see these tents near the uh, emergency entrances. Um, uh, Sharp Memorial, we, we wrote a story a couple of weeks ago about how they literally uh, are forcing their ambulances to uh, to park out in the parking lot. Uh, they can't back up to the hospital anymore because they literally filled in their ambulance dock and uh, converted it to a uh, kind of a waiting and enclosed waiting room uh, for folks uh, with viral symptoms. Uh, and, and so, you know, then as they come in to emergency rooms, uh, the, these patients are often put in wheelchairs rather than just even if they're even if they're able to walk. Oftentimes they're they're wheeled in just because that limits the chances that they're going to run into somebody along the way. Uh, you know, they clear they keep the hallways clear as these patients are taken back to uh, emergency rooms. If they have a severe illness uh, and they're coughing and sneezing and what have you. Uh, or, or other uh, health conditions like, uh, you know, maybe heart conditions or something. They're usually put in um, individual rooms that have like sliding glass doors and usually um, are kept under what they call negative pressure so that uh, basically they're pulling the air from inside those rooms and venting it through a, a very high-tech filter in another location so that the airflow moves into these rooms uh, continuously and that keeps it when you open the door uh, from flowing back out into the hospital. Uh, so, you know, the working in these negative pressure rooms is its own um, experience uh, from, from what I can tell and from talking to people, you know, they, 
they have a separate air uh, supply inside these rooms, and so it makes it hard to hear from the outside. Often they'll be writing each other messages on signs and holding them up to windows. I remember a few weeks ago uh, out at uh, Scripps uh, Memorial uh, La Jolla, they were actually using a baby monitor to communicate in, in and outside of uh, of these negative pressure rooms. Um, and so, uh, you know, they're 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 treating it very carefully in terms of how they put on their protective gear. You know, they've got often they're working with what they call these uh, PAPR filtration devices, which are like a whole uh, a hood that covers your whole head and upper body, and you wear a, a large uh, filter connected to a hose. Uh, on a belt at your waist, uh, you know, and so healthcare workers, be it nurses, technicians, doctors, uh, what have you, will go in to uh, do a procedure for a patient. Uh, they'll be in there for a while. They'll, they're, they're definitely at a higher risk when they're in the room with the patient like that. Uh, and so when they come out, they usually come out with their hands raised and uh, one of their colleagues is there and themselves masked and gowned uh, with uh, sanitizing wipes to wipe down all of the surfaces of all their gear before they're allowed to fully come out of that room. It's a very um, slow process compared to the normal speed that you see in an emergency environment where usually, uh, you know, healthcare workers are moving from room to room to room to room and trying to clear those beds as quickly as possible. Uh, it's, it's been quite a learning experience for them in the ER to just learn to slow down. Mm-hmm. So with all these changes, would it be fair to characterize the kind of care that these uh, coronavirus patients are getting as almost normal? Well, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say that, uh, you know, they are getting standard care for mm-hmm. their symptoms. Um, so it's not like a total and, and, triage. And, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, they're, they, the nice thing is that they're not overwhelmed, so they're, it's, it feels like they are able to deliver the standard of care to these patients. Uh, I, I interviewed a uh, ICU nurse uh, at uh, Sharp Memorial on Friday, and he was talking about how he had spent nearly two weeks with one patient who uh, was a middle-aged person and uh, had no other real health problems, but just came in after uh, you know convalescing at home for a while with severe breathing problems, had to be put on a ventilator, um, you know, and he was able to just focus on that one patient for nearly two weeks. Uh, and and I, I just don't think you're seeing that kind of uh, ability in New York where the hospitals are overwhelmed and you have patients in the, in the waiting rooms and in, in every nook and cranny. Uh, I think what you're seeing there is nurses, you know, a single nurse taking care of maybe 10, 15, 20 patients, uh, depending on the hospital that they're working in. So, so that is that is really the um, the luxury that the entire community has delivered to our hospitals. They have uh, delivered the, the luxury of time and the, the luxury to uh, take their time and the luxury to follow their best practices that they've, as they've been trained. Uh, whereas if you're, if you're reading or watching or, or, or listening to what's coming out of uh, cities that are inundated, uh, you know, it's more of a mad scramble. There's less time to put on your protective gear. There's less time to take off your protective gear. There's less time to come back and check that patient's, patient's ventilator uh, condition and pressure. You know, it's just uh, just a more of an overwhelmed kind of combat medicine that's being practiced in many places where the hospitals are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So right now, when it comes to forecasts, which are always being retooled and updated with the latest information, 
How long do you feel that hospitals will need to be in this kind of battle ready mode? Like, is this going to continue for like six months or has that question not yet been answered? It certainly hasn't been answered, but my feeling talking to experts is it all comes down to testing. As we talked before, you and I, um, once we can test people very quickly and find out who's infected and who isn't, uh, and once we can start testing everybody with the barest of symptoms and follow up on, on any positive cases very, very quickly, I think then hospitals are able to start to go back to, to more of a normal mode of operation. I, I think the, the biggest thing for hospitals is when can they start uh, doing elective procedures again? Uh, you know, those have been shut down for several weeks. It's been very hard on many healthcare workers who have been furloughed uh, or had their hours reduced uh, because, uh, you know, so many procedures have been canceled. It's certainly been extremely hard on patients who uh, who need these procedures and, and have had them delayed. Um, and I can feel that they're itching to get back to their schedules on, on those procedures. I think probably what will happen as if you see the the numbers of of new cases continue to decline, and you know yesterday we had the lowest number reported uh, of new cases in San Diego County in some weeks. Um, I think what you'll see is perhaps the county start starting to cluster COVID cases cases at certain hospitals uh, or certain parts of certain hospitals in order to let the rest of the system kind of get back to a more normal mode of operation. Um, I think they'll do that very gradually and slowly and carefully. Uh, but I think that's kind of where this is headed exactly when that will happen. I think, I think the bellwether on that will be when the county changes their testing recommendations. Right now, the county's testing recommendations remain, remain test only those with very severe symptoms or people in a high risk, risk group like people over 65, people with uh, chronic diseases, healthcare workers, first responders, uh, other frontline workers. Once you see the county's public health department say, test anybody with a symptom, I think that is the point at which you're going to see everything change. Because that will indicate that they're confident we have enough real-time testing to get after things very quickly. Mm-hmm. Are you noticing a kind of tone shift with health officials, given that we've kind of been in this reality for a month, I suppose? Are things changing or is everyone just kind of, you know, steeled themselves and we're just ready to fight this out until we have more information? I think, you know, last week we did we did really get a tone shift from uh, from those who are on the county's uh, daily covid uh, news conferences. Um, It was very clear that they were reading and seeing these reports that. surge really hasn't arrived in California hospitals uh, to a great extent. The the case uh, rates are not increasing uh, as quickly as they would be if we were really in a a significant uh, um, dangerous situation like like many other uh, cities are. Um, And so you could tell that they were immediately shifting into a, a mode where they don't really, they want to tamp down enthusiasm. They want to because they know, uh, and, I, and I think this is true, uh, that, that if people just go running out of their houses and try to get back to their lives uh, too quickly, uh, that there are still enough uh, cases being transmitted in the community to, to have it just spike right back up again. So I, I think that the, the tone is um, one of trying to 
tamp down enthusiasm to some degree. And yet you can see it on their faces and hear it in their voices that they're very proud of what, what has been done so far in terms of keeping these case uh, rates low. And you can, you can tell that they're almost holding themselves back a little bit in terms of uh, maybe celebrating a little more. They, they, they know there's still work to be done. So I, I think they're, uh, you know, cautious to, about their own demeanor in terms of not, not giving the impression to the public that uh, the work is done. Yeah, it's, that's the hardest thing with this outbreak is that when you start to see glimmers of hope, it's human nature to really kind of celebrate those. But people are still dying. People are still suffering. It's a long road back to normal. And like we've only maybe taken the first step. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and I think, you know, there is always that knowledge that, you know, this thing has a replication rate of about three, which means that each person who has this disease uh, likely infects three others. So even if you only have a dozen cases active in the community, if you open everything up wide again, uh, you know, uh, three becomes six, six becomes 12. You know, I mean, you very quickly, if you've got 12, you know, that that is very quickly 36. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the way that this thing doubles pretty quickly uh, when when social contact is normal is, uh, is you know, it's very frightening to behold. Uh, you, you need to look no further than Italy to, to see what happens. Oh, we've got some good images uh, coming up. Uh, we, we were lucky to have uh, Marcus Yam, a uh, L.A. Times uh, photographer, come down and uh, shoot with us in three of our uh, local hospitals Friday. And so we have a good photo story that should be coming out pretty soon. All right. Paul Sisson, thank you so much. Thank you. Now your coronavirus update. San Diego County has confirmed a total of 1,847 positive COVID-19 cases. As of today, 47 people have died. County officials also released some information about the positive cases among the homeless population. 13 people have tested positive, 9 of which were unsheltered, and another 4 were sheltered. No cases have been connected to the convention center, which is being used as a shelter. San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer has ordered all flags to be flown at half-staff for people who have died from COVID-19. Several members of San Diego's congressional delegation have sent a letter to FEMA asking it to explain why it is confiscating personal protective equipment. The seizure of goods has been reported in at least 10 states, including California. A sailor assigned to the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt has died after being hospitalized with COVID-19. The sailor had tested positive for the virus on March 30th and was taken off the ship and placed in isolation housing along with four other sailors at Naval Base Guam. On the morning of April 9th, he was found unresponsive during a medical check and was moved to a local hospital's intensive care unit. The Navy is withholding the sailor's name until 24 hours after the family is notified. It is the first death of an active duty sailor related to the virus. Seven sailors aboard the hospital ship Mercy have tested positive as well. They are being quarantined as the ship remains docked in the port of Los Angeles to help with the outbreak. California, Oregon, and Washington have announced an agreement to work together to reopen the economy when the outbreak is over. This mirrors a similar one done on the East Coast to collaborate state plans. The federal government's response to the pandemic has forced states' hands, as they have the ability, to stop stay-at-home orders. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. We want to remind you that information is your first line of defense. The San Diego Union Tribune is dedicated to bringing you the latest news in print, online, and on our podcasts. 
Right now, you can read our public health stories related to the virus online for free without hitting the paywall. But you can get all of the news at your fingertips wherever and whenever you want if you're a subscriber. Don't miss a story. Go to unionshould.com slash subscribe. Until next time.